Today's Hope FM Breakfast Show is brought to you by Chester Pierce Funeral Service. For individual support as unique as your loved one, visit chesterpierce.com. Well, with the time at 24 minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, this week is National Assistance Dog Week. And I'm joined by, uh, well, by, by two guests, actually, this morning, by Peter Rufus, who is the, the CEO and, and volunteer dog's body of... Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't resist that, Peter. No, it's a bad uh, joke, though. <laughs> terrible, isn't it? Uh, of of the local charity. The local charity is Helpful Hounds Assistance Dogs. Uh, so, uh, tell us a wee bit about how the charity you know got started. What what was the inspiration behind it, Peter? Yeah, hi, Blair. A good good question. The inspiration really was uh, when we looked at the situation regarding assistance dogs in the UK generally. Uh, there are some very large charities doing great work you know we've seen guide dogs for the blind we see hearing dogs we see dogs um, assisting people in wheelchairs but there is always a long waiting list for those those dogs um, because there are so many people that need dogs but also these days there are more and more ways that we're finding that dogs can make a positive benefit to people's lives and i'm talking here autism down syndrome as well as physical disablement and we judged with certainly within the the Dorset area, there was very little help being given, particularly to young young children uh, suffering from autism, and therefore that really was the inspiration. If we could train dogs that would either help them with their autism or any physical disablements, and rather than uh, training a dog for two years and then handing it over, uh, which would imply a very long waiting list for many people. Uh, we went the route of what we call owner-trained, and that is we help the family to obtain a puppy, and then we, together with the family, will train that puppy. And it's it's a big commitment for the family, particularly if they're dealing with that sort of um, issue, but it's also a lot of benefits because the dog and the young person bond very, very quickly, and you can actually see the difference it's making to the family um, you know, within weeks of the dog being placed there, even though at that stage it's not fully trained. Because mm. you said that to train a dog is about two years in total, so it is a, it is a big commitment all round, isn't it? It, it is. Um, part of that two years is waiting for the dog to settle down because you know, we start off with a dog that's got the right temperament. You know, not any dog can be an assistance or a therapy dog. It's got to have that right temperament and it's got to want to be trained. Which, which is why you're really there right at the outset in terms of acquiring the dog. We acquire a dog probably uh, seven to eight weeks old. And you know, it's not harsh, but the actual training, which our training is very, very gentle and reward-based, starts then as to socialisation. Because if the dog... Um, is introduced to different environments very early on in its life in the correct way it will grow up into a confident um, dog as it grows older but if you don't socialize it properly in the early stages allow bang fireworks whatever it will become a very nervous dog and a nervous dog does not make a good assistance dog so right from the outset when you're selecting the dog. Uh, what? Wh- how do you? How do you know that you've got the right animal? <laughs> I wish you hadn't asked that one. Because <laughs> in in reality, nobody ever knows. Uh, what we have to do is take as much of the evidence as we can. You know, first of all, we will start with a breed of dog that is suitable for the family, uh, and that we know uh, is likely to to have the right temperament. So, in other words, we would not choose a predatory breed, which is why our natural. Um, 
leaning is towards golden retrievers and labradors but as you'll see from our calendar mm-hmm. there's quite a variety there labradoodles and uh, small poodles and uh, we, we've even got a, a shih tzu and we've got a Russian-speaking dog as well, but that—that's another story. Uh, so <laughs> when you said Russian-speaking, a talking dog as well. <laughs> well, no, no, he takes his commands in Russian. Yes. Uh, sorry, uh, it's, it's the way you tell it, as they say. Yeah. But anyway, so we we start off with the right breed, but then we have to find the right breeder. We're looking for a quality breeder that's been breeding for a long time, and very often has already supplied to to other charities. Then, when a litter is available, we will talk to the breeder. And the breeder will know the different puppies within that litter. And we're not looking for the run to the litter. We're not looking for the most active dog. We're looking for something in the middle. And uh, the breeder will help to guide us to that. Um, but as I said earlier, there's no such thing as a 100% guarantee. Um, you know, a lot of dogs start off as assistance dogs or guide dogs, and they actually do fail. But actually, they make very good pets if they have to be rehomed as a result. But um, but so far, um, you know, we're finding things that have, you know, because of the way the dog is brought up from a very early age, um, the, our, our most recent dogs are doing very, very well. So fingers crossed. So having acquired the dog, I, and actually I should ask you about the, about the finances because you said you helped the family right from the outset. So if they, because dogs, of course, can be quite expensive. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that's absolutely true. And particularly at this time, because since the coronavirus outbreak, um, a lot more families have gone out looking for pets. Uh, some of the really good breeders have said, we're not going to have litters at this time. We'll leave it till next year. Therefore, dogs have become scarce. And I actually saw a golden retriever puppy being advertised for £3,000 last week. Uh, now, uh, Heidi, the one we, we bought with the help of J.P. Morgan uh, uh, seven seven weeks ago, uh, we paid £1,500 for, and Hope, our previous one, we paid £1,200 for. So, you know, now, finance, yes, we, we have to raise finance all the time because we, although we have a very small overhead, working mainly with volunteers, it's just our trainers that get paid. And um, so we have to cover our overhead, but also uh, it's part of the commitment from the families and the schools we work with that they help us fundraise as well. So um, <coughs> it's a joint effort. Uh, so it's, it is a joint effort, but uh, you know, money's not so easy right now. Uh, as with every charity, I'm not saying we're special in that respect, but uh, since coronavirus, a lot of the avenues for fundraising have closed to us, so we're have, actually having to work extra hard in order to um, to keep up and, uh, and ensure we can not only provide the support to the families we've got on our books at the moment, but we're getting applications yeah, I get two, you know, two applications a day almost from people. Not always within our area, because obviously we're a local Dorset-based charity, uh, and I've had applications from Sheffield and um, north of Scotland as well two days ago. And is that because generally there's a backlog, there's a, a big demand for for the dogs, and and obviously not enough dogs to go around effectively. That 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 is the problem. Um, and this is no criticism of any charities. There are just not enough dogs to go around. And as I said before, if you take a dog and train it in order to hand it over, that's two to two and a half years. It's it's a long process, but you have to get that process right. And I guess that that training is bespoke to the to whoever the dog's going to be paired with. Yeah, it's, part of it is is general training because we always recommend our puppies go through the normal bronze, silver, gold training that you'd get from a normal 
uh, trainer. Yeah. Uh, it, there's various reasons for that. One is it teaches good manners to the dog, but also it's part of the socialisation programme. The dog gets used to meeting other dogs. But once you get to that stage, then we have to say, you know, what are the needs of the partner? Uh, because if it's somebody who's physically disabled in a wheelchair, well, you know, they'll need to bring the post in, maybe empty the washing machine, uh, pick pick things up is a big element of that. And there's a whole range of things, and maybe help to dress, undress. There's a number of tasks that we can train the dog to do. However, with autistic children, or uh, as one of our uh, adults has, uh, a thing called POTS, where she has these attacks where she can collapse any moment, um, there are other things needed um, for autism you, the dog needs to be calming therefore it has to learn how to put a paw on the child when the child is feeling stressed but also learn to do a thing called deep pressure therapy where it lays across the the thighs and um, and that actually helps calm down there is an alternative which Bowcroft school in Wimborne used called the Henry hug Henry helpful hound is actually embedded with uh, Bowcroft and he will come up and he'll put his paws across the shoulder of the young child and they'll give a big cuddle and that immediately starts to calm things down. It's absolutely it's absolutely incredible, you know, uh, what you can do and also the the effects of it. I mean, dogs, people buy dogs because they're affectionate anyway. Mm. We, we're a nation of dog lovers, aren't we? In the main we are, yes. <laughs> but, but, but having said that, I mean... Uh, so from the point where you, know, where, where you, where you get the puppy mm. and so on, how long does it then remain with you and 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 then how do you begin to introduce it to the to the family or are they introduced right from the they're introduced from day one um to the family sometimes when we're working with a school we can introduce it to the school um straight away if there is a suitable guardian there otherwise we might have that dog for up to four to six months um the dogs don't work in the school until they're 12 months old but the socialization element is very important so as far as possible, uh, where we are working with a family, then we will put that dog into the family early on. Our trainers are there t- to help them. And it, it's not just, obviously, face-to-face is more difficult right now. And therefore, the number of families we've started with is not so many as it was prior to coronavirus. Um, but we will be available on the telephone, by email, on Zoom. We've actually, with the help of the Torwood Village Trust, uh, created a number of videos that we can send them which shows our trainers demonstrating how to do different things with dogs from the very early settle as you can see Rafi has come in um, Rafi's very well behaved yeah well <laughs> yes he, he ought to be <laughs> he's been trained for but yeah I said settle and he's immediately laid down and and he's not moved except when I introduced you to him. Can you teach him to do radio presenting, do you think? <laughs> um, well, only only as woof by woof, as it were, but um, and probably Russian, I don't know. Um, but uh, so, you know, in, in that respect, it, it starts right, right from the start, uh, but we have to be there hand-holding uh, the family because we're not only teaching and training a dog, we're actually teaching and training a family to look after a dog, not just a pet, but a working dog. And there is a difference between a working dog and a pet, even though the working dog has its puppy time and fun time, whatever. But there's certain things that uh, you you just have to be very careful of so that you don't create bad habits within Mm -hmm. that dog, which could then show outside this is hope fm uh, well this is a, a very special week not not just uh, in the united kingdom but indeed all over the world it's national assistance uh, 
Dog Week. So obviously it's been picked up uh, worldwide. Mm -hmm. So are all the local groups connected in some way by by, uh, sort of a worldwide association? How how does it work? Uh, Not not all directly connected. There is an organisation called Assistance Dogs International, of which there is a UK arm, uh, Helpful Hounds at the moment is not a member of that, but all the big dog charities are. Uh, we're a little bit too young yet in order to get all, everything going to, to be a member, but we will apply to be a member as soon as we can. Um, but no, the, I think that the whole, the whole idea of this International Assistance Dog Week is, is to get everybody across the world just recognising you know, not only the help that dogs do, but all the different types of dogs that do give assistance to human beings. Because... You know, when we go out and about, we naturally think of guide dogs or we see somebody in a wheelchair with a dog. We don't often think necessarily about a hearing dog. We don't think about uh, youngsters with autism. We don't think of people with PTSD. Um, we don't think of people with Down syndrome. You know, there's a whole range of emotional mm. issues that dogs can yeah. help with. And they're all either assistance or therapy dogs that really do change people's mm. lives. And I suppose that the guide dogs for the blind is, is, the, is the one organisation that everybody Absolutely, probably thinks yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but you're quite right that these other very important, very worthy areas are perhaps less, less known. Yeah, they are, they are definitely less known. And also, I think one of the other issues is if somebody uh, tries to go into a shop or... In fact, I've just had it on aeroplanes as well, but um, with an assistance dog, uh, they can be challenged because, you know, you're not blind, you're not this, uh, and people don't always realise the full extent of what disability is designed. There's a lot of hidden disabilities, isn't there? There are a lot of hidden disabilities, and of course there is now the Disability Act 2010, and if somebody, and it is the right of somebody who is disabled to take a dog, if they need one, into you know, a commercial premises, a shop premises, whatever. But not every uh, shop, not every person realises this. And, uh, and in fact, if they do refuse entry, they're actually breaking the Discrimination Act. Mm. But uh, I don't want to go too much into that no. today. But it, it is, it's all part of the realisation of how dogs change life and how dogs provide confidence and the ability to uh, integrate into the community far better having a dog than not having a dog. Now, you've got the right name for the job that you do, uh, Peter Rufus. When, when, when I first saw your email, I thought, he's having me on, you know. But, 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 but how did you, I mean, clearly you've got a heart and a passion for all that you do. And I know that you're, you're doing a lot of work because you're the CEO, but you're the on-ped volunteer of the, of the local organisation. Yeah, there, there are other unpaid volunteers within our organisation too, so don't just put it on me, please. But, uh, but yes, it's, it, it, it is strange. Uh, my wife and I have always had dogs. Uh, we've always seen the benefit of dogs as pets within the in the household. Our children from the age of three grew up with dogs, but I grew up with a dog myself, and as did my wife. Um, however, we got to a stage uh, in our lives where we thought, actually, if we now have our own dog, um, we've got nobody to look after it when we go on holiday, uh, so we won't have another dog. And we were therefore recommended to go to another charity and become a socialiser. And that meant we had a dog for two or three weeks or maybe two or three months. Uh, and we would work with that dog and look after it for a while before it got handed back for training. And, um, and during that time, we saw very clearly the potential of, and this is particularly for physical disabled people, and we saw the potential of what those dogs were doing for the disabled people. And... Um, 
and I think f- from that time, you know, our love of dogs and seeing what dogs could do, not just as a pet but as a, a working assistance dog, really made us uh, want to, to do this because my wife is a, a trustee of the charity as well of Helpful Hounds Assistance Dogs and uh, we've, we've developed from there. But there mm. are three other trustees. Uh, all of them have their own assistance dogs so we are the only two able-bodied trustees because, again, part of our philosophy is you, know, you, can, you can actually help far better if you know the issues and three of our trustees know those issues very well. Sally mm. and I just know it because we've observed it and mm. you know, helped other people. Uh, two things I need to ask you. Uh, one is if somebody's listening to us right now and, and, and they're thinking, you know, I could really do with one of those dogs uh, for myself, for my child, whatever. What sort of action should they take? Well, I think the first thing they should do is actually have a look at our website. Um, it's www helpfulhounds.org.uk um, and on that it tells people what we do it also gives some testimonials of some of our families and our schools uh, that we help but there's, there's also the contact button and if they send us a message via the contact button then that will come directly through to my desk uh, what I will do then is you know, look at the information they provided and send them our application form now, our application form is also a briefing document, so it tells them a little bit warts and all about the commitment they might be making, particularly for an owner-trained scheme, because we, we don't like to tell everybody it's easy, but the commitment they put in now can have benefit for the next 10 years or maybe the rest of that person's life, because obviously you know, dogs can be replaced. So, And we develop from there. Uh, we'll do... you know. A house assessment if they've got their own dog that they think has the right temperament then we'll assess that dog to see whether we agree that the temperament is right or not so it all really starts look at the website and send a message through the contact button now of course that's people who who want to perhaps uh, inquire about a dog but then there may be a lot of other people thinking what a fantastic uh, job that you guys are doing you know and and making a, a very real difference to the lives of, of fairly vulnerable people do you have a a, 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 a giving scheme or a support yeah. scheme and do you need more volunteers how, how can best people best help right well that's that's a very big question because uh, it covers so many areas Let, let's start with the first one do we have a giving scheme well yes of course we do uh, if somebody wants to make a single donation there is a donate button on the website um in fact they can also see things on our facebook page as well helpful hounds assistance dogs uh, but one of the things that is causing me the biggest issue at the moment is regular funding, as you would appreciate through coronavirus. And we are looking for a number of people that would actually donate just £5 a month every month to us. So, you know, you've got a, a, a flow so, of, of So we, I've got a form for that. It's not on our website, but if somebody wants to c- contact us through the website um, and say, can I donate, please, there's no way we're going to say no. I will send you the form and it's just it's not a direct debit it's a standing order so you've got complete control over it all the time and uh, and we can set that up for you and if you're willing to uh, gift aid it as well we are registered for for gift aid through hmrc so i think that was the point one in terms of donations um we're happy to take it regular or singular and be very grateful for anything that comes in in terms of volunteers uh yes we we do get we, we we do have some volunteers coming to us already. Uh, for example, Bournemouth University provide people to help us 
in a simple little thing we're, we're going to start working on next term is the psychological uh, link between uh, the human and the dog. So their psychology students are going to work with us. Uh, JP Morgan are looking at, a, at a, an opportunity to upgrade our website and, uh, and I've got uh, Winchester University going to do a thing on our social media. However, the areas where I really need some help right now is more administration because I'm getting applications coming in people on a de- from people on a daily basis. I need somebody who could actually help me do that while I concentrate on other things like fundraising. Um, I'm also looking for somebody who might actually be able to help us fundraise uh, by dealing with trusts and corporates and so forth. If anybody has that experience and I'm willing to give just a little bit of time free of charge, then, you know, I would be so, so grateful. That would take a lot off of off of my mind and off of my back. So, Well, Peter, a big thank you to you and, and uh, to Rafa, who has been very well behaved in, this, in the studio here. Are you leaving him? You, of course, you look after Ian and well, I. Some, yes, sometimes you could walk off and forget he's here. <laughs> yeah, but you I'll could, try, actually. I'll try not to do that today. <laughs> For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.